Hi everyone, welcome to Business Line Podcast. I'm your host Nikita Ann Vargas and in today's episode, we're in conversation with Rahul Nanwani, CEO and co-founder of ImageKit.io, a platform that helps marketers optimize images on the fly for faster load time. Hi Rahul, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having Nikita. I look forward to uh, this conversation. Now, all of us are familiar with targeted ads, but what do you think about retargeting campaigns? Uh, do you think they're as effective? Definitely, right? I mean, uh, the the whole idea of, let's say, uh, any e-commerce brand is to be able to either get, let's say, more traffic in, more, let's say, eyeballs in on their website, or let's say once they've already captured that audience, then uh, to be able to sell to them, right? That's, I mean, that's a very basic, uh, let's say, definition of what, let's say, a marketer at an e-commerce company would want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you look at, let's say, retargeting ads, uh, the intent is already there, right? So in your case, let's say the intent was specified uh, by you having this conversation with your friend that, okay, you're looking to buy Bluetooth speakers. In a similar way, the intent could be, let's say, that if I am, uh, let's say, looking to buy, let's say, T-shirts online, mm -hmm. and I am visiting maybe three or four different websites, these platforms then know that, okay, if Rahul is looking to buy T-shirts, why not, let's say, target him with ads uh, for, for, you know, any brand that's selling T-shirts, right? And then maybe on Instagram, you would start seeing ads uh, that, are, let's say, from a different brand, or it could be, let's say, if I was checking for T-shirts on Mintra, Mintra could start retargeting me right for those t-shirts right so once that intent has been established trying to get back that user to you know complete the purchase that they were looking for or once the intent is known using that data to capture a new set of audience which is essentially not retargeting but then let's say re reaching out to a new audience so it's definitely effective uh, in both the ways capturing new audience as well as bringing them back and making them complete the purchase so what about um, leads that have already converted i feel like seeing the same ad for a product you've already bought could become a little annoying for consumers right that, that's in fact something that marketers uh, do take into account or should take into account in fact that mm -hmm. uh, if the conversion that you were looking for uh, let's say in this case the conversion is that uh, you know the purchase has been completed uh, you should ideally stop showing ads to these people because otherwise it's just money being spent on something that has already happened, right? Let's say you already bought that Bluetooth speaker. Now, if you keep seeing ads for that Bluetooth speaker, you're probably not going to make that purchase again, right? It's not something that you purchase every day. Uh, again, it probably depends on uh, the use case. Maybe if it's, I don't know, if it's something like maybe uh, uh, ordering milk every morning, then it might still make sense that, you know, if you have just bought it for one day, maybe I would still want to retarget you to purchase it for the next day as well. But then if it's an item which is bought, let's say, over a period of let's say, six months or one year, then it would not make sense once the conversion has happened to keep spending money on targeting the same user. So ideally, your marketing campaigns should then stop targeting that user. Right. And so for new marketers who don't really know a lot about retargeting, do you have any advice for them? Any best practices? And obviously, it depends a lot on the business context. Like, uh, what is it that you're selling? What's the order values, etc. On, on you know, on how you should retarget it, or where should where you should run your retargeting campaigns on, right? On which platform? Mm -hmm. uh, but then the key thing would be that you know you should keep experimenting with uh, the the adverts that you're running, for example, the, the graphics that you're running, right? Because 
it is fairly possible that you're running the same uh, campaign on the same cohort maybe on the same set of users but then two different variations of graphics or uh, could lead could lead to very drastically different results and uh, different let's say costs of acquisitions or conversion rates for you uh, so the idea would be that if you can you know make it simple for your team to produce let's say a large amount of or you know variations of the same let's say graphic or banner that you're going to use in your ad and then you keep sort of rotating them keep experimenting and looking at data that what's the result that you get out of uh, running all of these ads then that should probably help you land with you know which what messaging or what graphic is working well for your audience and then sort of then start scaling that up once you have figured out amongst let's say 15 20 graphics that okay these five are clearly the best out of the uh, the entire lot then you just keep scaling on those five and keep building upon that right so that would probably be the number one thing that don't don't probably try to you know aim for perfection right from the very first uh ad campaign that you build experiment look at data and then keep improving on that speaking of graphics i think a lot of brands have started using carousel posts especially during retargeting campaigns because it allows them to showcase more products to consumers but you know it can get a little tiring for creatives who have to repurpose carousel posts for different platforms and i guess that's where products like image kit come in you know with the mm-hmm. ability to personalize images and create multiple variants of them so could you tell me a little bit more about how marketers can use features like this for creating social media posts what's the process like exactly right so there are the two uh challenges to it right uh, one is obviously the the creation and the management side of things right uh, how do you create so many different variations at scale right uh, and when when i'm saying that you know creating at scale this could again have like two uh, very different definitions one is that you know you have to create graphics that can cater to different kinds of platforms for example if you want to run an ad or maybe a campaign on instagram within instagram then there is let's say instagram post versus a story versus a reel uh, versus let's say something to be done on facebook or twitter etc right so there are there are these different platforms that introduce it's a one dimension where you need to uh, you know that you need to cover and the second dimension is introduced by uh, your users uh, which is uh, you know every user would you know ideally you would want to personalize your campaign to that specific user so that you get the highest possible uh, conversions right now obviously if you start doing this manually it is not possible for let's say even a even a sizable graphics team uh, to create these graphics manually so in any case we are ruling out any kind of let's say manual work when it comes to automating these creatives at scale right and that is where uh, you know that's first part where tools like imagekit or other creative automation platforms uh, can come into the picture where let's say there is a template right so you have defined that i'll have a product in the background and on top of it i want to write the let's say the user's name and maybe tell them that there is a 20% off on this product if you come back and complete the purchase let's say if that's a template that you want to use mm-hmm. then all that i need to fill in is that what's the product image that i'm using in the background and then maybe what's the name of the user that's uh, you know that that i want to put on the advert right uh if if this is set right and this is generally what uh, a creative automation platform would do or let's say that we provide as a solution in imagekit that if you have sort of decided the template Uh, you have figured out how your text would look like how where your image etc would be placed mm-hmm. then you can programmatically keep uh, you know creating new banners or let's say new graphics uh, that can then be supplied to where you know whichever platform 
platform you're running ads on so that they can then uh, you know keep targeting these users with very specific adwords or maybe if you want to send send them out let's say in an email uh, you know that i mean especially when you're sending out in an email you already know the name of the person the their purchase history etc so you can be very specific very targeted when you are creating these uh, banners so that's part one where a tool like image kit would come into place where you can personalize things for them uh, the second would be how do you distribute uh, content across all of these platforms right so the other dimension which i mentioned that the same content then needs to go on different platforms so even if let's say you have created one template which is maybe suitable for uh, instagram post you would still want to be able to uh, create uh, you know different different versions of the same template one let's say which is more suited to the vertical viewing format of an instagram reel maybe something that's suited to uh, you know a, a more landscape format that of a facebook post uh, for example instagram post i guess is is mostly a squarish uh, template that you use right whereas right. facebook post is uh, more landscape uh, than that so you would still want your content to be able to adapt to all of these things and again that's the second part where uh, these tools come in where the same graphic how do you optimize it for different kinds of platforms that you're sending it out to uh, and again the, the degree of let's say what kind of optimizations uh, are available that you know how can you convert the same template to different aspect ratios it varies from tool to tool but then that's the second part that you need to optimize for how do you optimize that graphic for that particular platform and viewing on that particular platform and what about when you embed these images in blog posts or landing pages i'm guessing most marketers know the importance of optimizing images by decreasing file size or you know mm-hmm. using a plugin but um, you know i was going through image kit's website and i came across a feature for optimized image urls so mm-hmm. i haven't heard of this term before i just want you to shed some light on why marketers should even consider optimizing their image urls before embedding them in blog posts or landing pages right so the the two parts of again uh, this this optimization process one is that you're trying to optimize for speed where you know like you said if the image is lighter or any let's say if you're using a video then if the video is lighter it would load faster which means a better user experience and who doesn't like let's say a fast loading website <laughs> uh so if it loads quickly they are more likely to make a purchase right so that's the logic behind compressing the images right mm. uh the the other part is that you're not just catering to your users right so obviously once your user has landed on your page you have to cater to them uh you have to make your website fast for them the other is how do you cater to a search engine right what what is it that uh, a search engine needs to make your page rank high in search results for example if i am searching for let's say brown colored wallets let's say for men right if that is what i'm trying to buy uh, i cannot just have product images with a very random name like uh, abc.jpg or untitled.jpg which a lot of marketers or let's say companies do because you would probably click an image using a dslr and the standard names that you get from there are something like dsc000 some number uh, yeah. random number in .jpg and they just start using that whereas if you actually name the uh, you know the image with the product that's actually in the image right so if it's a brown colored wallet then if i just rename it as brown colored wallet for men hyphen that let's say that random number which actually helps you identify maybe the product sku or whatever if you use that then search engines also take that into account when they start ranking your pages right so they know that okay this particular website has a lot of images that sell wallets for men 
uh, they have images that that are selling, let's say, brown wallets for men. So if someone is searching for that, maybe this site is relevant. Let's show this as a result uh, to the customer, right? So that's where optimizing your URL comes into the picture. That uh, you need to have the right, uh, let's say, the the product name. If you have that, uh, you know, if a relevant name is there in the file URL, then that's actually helpful for SEO. And then you should also try to organize, uh, you know, build an organization scheme within your URLs. For example, if you go on any e-commerce website, the general organization in the menu is that uh, you select the gender, then you select your product type, then within the product type or sub-product type. For example, men, t-shirts, polo t-shirts, let's say that's the organization that you have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you can have a similar organization, even in your URLs, for example, instead of having a really long name to the file, if you can break it down into, let's say, uh, uh, let's say slash men slash t-shirt slash polo dot, let's say, uh, US polo dot JPEG, right? Something like that. So you have built that organization also into your URL, which again gives a hint to the search engines that this is how the content is organized. And uh, this is how it is relevant to what the user is searching for, right? So all of these are sort of hints to the search engines. And that's why you should start, uh, you know, optimizing your URL itself. And on the side, also think about uh, optimizing the images, right? So, uh, you know, we've spoken about optimizing images for SEO. What about articles? You know, usually marketers rely on peppering keywords throughout articles to rank higher on the results page. Is there any other way to beat the SERP algorithm or is it just these two um, aspects of it? In, in fact, it has, uh, you know, over the years as the search engine algorithms have changed, uh, keyword stuffing or let's say adding a lot of relevant keywords to the page has probably, uh, you know, is no longer one of the key factors uh, for a page to rank. The general trend over, you know, over the last few years, whatever changes have been introduced in search engine ranking algorithms have been towards the direction that, that if you just create useful content for the user, it will eventually rank. And that's what we have seen even in, in our experience of, let's say, building our own blog. And even for us, SEO is a key driver for all the traffic that we get. That as long as you're writing relevant content for a keyword that the user is searching, and it adds value to a user who is reading that content against that keyword, even if you do not stuff a lot of keywords, uh, it would still start ranking, right? So keyword stuffing is actually sort of out of the picture now. You should just focus on creating more relevant content that covers the, the intent with which the user was actually uh, looking at your page. Okay, so just a question here. What about companies that are starting up? I mean, they do kind of look for, you know, an added advantage. Um, and I think for them, they rely on SEO because uh, credible companies are obviously going to rank higher. So for them, their first go-to strategy wouldn't be creating valuable content. It would be trying to kind of cheat the algorithm. So do you have any advice for companies like that? One of the biggest mistakes that uh, new companies do that, you know, you get started with SEO, maybe write three or four articles, you know, you're, you're just getting started. So you really do not know what to write or let's say uh, what keywords to write for. And when those three or four articles don't give you the right results within the next, let's say, 15 days or a month, you give up on SEO. SEO is actually not even meant for uh, a short term uh, you know, target that you might have for the number of leads or let's say number of visitors you want to have on your website. It's a very long-term thing, at least six months, uh, if not more. It, that's the amount of time that one should spend on SEO and, you know, creating content, creating good content uh, regularly for uh, the domain that they are operating in 
to be able to start ranking for some of the SEO keywords. One advice though would be that if you are let's say trying to get started with SEO, if if that's how you want to get traffic, then look for long tail keywords. Now, long tail keyword would be, for example, if I am trying to buy, let's say I gave an example of wallets, right? If I if I try to rank, let's say for wallets alone. Uh, if I am a new brand, I would not be able to rank because there would be like hundreds of thousands of websites that would be selling wallets, maybe just in India, right? Yeah. But it is still possible that I, if I, if a user is searching for a query, now the volume of it would be very low. But then let's say if a user is searching for a, for something like uh, brown colored wallets with card holder in Delhi, right? this is a very long tail keyword, right? You, there would be very few users who would be searching for it. But then this also means that for something which is this specific, there would be fewer pages that would be addressing this specific problem, right? So this is a long tail keyword where your query contains at least five or six words clubbed together to make one single query. Uh, you should always start with more long tail keywords because the competition that you will see there is a lot lesser than you would see on uh, a main pillar keyword, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you would not be able to rank for something like t-shirts, but then you would be able to rank maybe for uh, US polo t-shirts in red color mm -hmm. online, let's say something like that. Mm -hmm. So focus on long tail keywords that you want to target. And then once you keep creating a lot of content for all of these long tail keywords, uh, even search engines, they start taking into account that, okay, this particular website has some authority in this domain. Let's say if you are, uh, you know, if you're in the fashion and e-commerce space and you start ranking on a few of these long tail keywords, then automatically search engines start picking up that, you know, this particular website has some authority in the fashion uh, e-commerce space. And then slowly and gradually, as you keep creating content, you would be able to start ranking even on some of the other, uh, you know, high competition keywords as well. All right. Understood. Thanks so much, Rahul. I think with that, we can draw this conversation to a close. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you so much for having me here. It was very really great speaking to you.